Many natural disasters are detectable before impact. Think of hurricanes. Most of the time, meteorologists can see certain weather patterns that lead to the formation of a hurricane, and then track its progress, severity, and predict when and where it will hit land. But some natural disasters are far less predictable, taking little to no time to form. Take earthquakes, for example. As citizens, we don't know exactly where or when an earthquake will happen, let alone its severity, until it's already underway. Although there are some early warning systems in place around the world to detect earthquakes as they happen and alert nearby people, not every region has the necessary funds, expertise, or infrastructure in place to do so. In light of this, a team at Google led by Senior Director of Software Engineering Nandini Kapaya partnered with the U.S. Geological Survey, or USGS, to develop their own version of an early warning system using Android phones rather than networks of varied seismometers. Uh, my name is Nandini Kapaya. I work uh, in Android as part of Google. I'm an engineering director in Android. And among other things, I work on Android location, which is getting your location, your blue dot on Google Maps right. Uh, Android authentication, which is making sure you can log in and set up seamlessly and smoothly. And personal safety, which is to make sure that your devices work for you when you know it's, it's of most need to you when you're in an emergency or when you uh, need to call 911 or there is some kind of natural uh, disaster or um, some situation when you might need your phone to help you. So can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, what your childhood was like? I grew up in Bangalore, India. I lived there uh, for the first 22 years of my life. And then I moved to the United States for, you know, graduate school. And then I got a job here. Uh, my childhood was, I would say, a typical one that's typical for an Indian child growing up in Bangalore. Uh, my parent, I went to an all-girls school, so that was a somewhat different experience than others, I'd say. My parents were pretty traditional and pretty strict about things like, you know, doing well in school and getting that perfect grade and so on, and I rebelled a little in my you know, teen years over that philosophy. But for the most part, uh, you know, I went, I did some activities and focused a lot on schooling. That's, um, that was what my childhood was like. Looking more at your current life, what do you find motivates you and your team the most? Um, I, I, I find that I do my best work and my team does their best work when they understand the why behind it, when there's a clear purpose, when there's clear goals, and they are really motivated by the purpose of it. What does a typical day in the life look like for you? My average day has a big component of, you know, taking care of my children and going to work. So I get to work at around 8.39, um, and I usually have a large set of meetings in the morning. I work with teams in Europe very often, and those are the best time zones for them. So my mornings generally contain either group meetings or one-on-ones, um, and then, you know, I have lunch at the wonderful cafeteria at Google, um, and then my afternoons have some meetings and sometimes a bunch of it is in deeper work that I sort of do on my own. Um, in the evenings, I go home in uh, for dinner, like for in time for dinner for at around five o'clock, and then we spend some family time. We have dinner. We probably like help my kids with a little bit of homework or pick them up from activities, and they go to bed at eight. And then you know my husband and I watch TV, and I then finish up my my the work that I didn't quite finish up at uh, 
at my, you know, at work, I finish that up, wrap that up and go to bed. That's my typical day. But the pandemic, I think, changed a lot of things about working remotely and get having much better tools and much more comfort around, you know, uh, video conferencing and so on. Um, what I love about working with uh, teams in Europe, other than visiting all of those awesome places, is that they bring a perspective that's different from ours and that really helps make our products better and for me to also understand those perspectives as we design and build for people. What's the best part of your job? My favorite part of my job, I would say, is working with people. We have a lot of amazing people at uh, Google, at Android. My team is um, awesome. I'm often uh, in awe of how deep their knowledge goes in some areas, like how much they know about like how GPS works or how much they've thought about earthquake early warning. And I feel that really lifts me up in terms of uh, how I look at my work, how I understand it, and really understanding the domain in addition to you know the computer science part of it is uh, I think the best part of my day. I like working with passionate folks and I find that uh, they come with ideas and creativity. Maybe it doesn't all fit perfectly right away, but I think that's part of my job to take those ideas, that imagination, that push for excellence and try to deliver and work with others to deliver a great product uh, on Android. How would you say you leverage that really in-depth knowledge your team members have on big projects like the Earthquake Early Warning System? So a lot of folks on my team have deep domain expertise in their fields. Um, and we take that and we take the ideas and the innovation that our maybe product managers come up with. And we have to put that together to build a great experience. An example of that is earthquake early warning. So we have our, we, we want, we, we are trying to warn people when an earthquake happens so that they can take shelter and do the thing that makes them safe. So we take all this knowledge of seismology and what we can do on a phone. How can we deliver a warning most effectively, most usefully? We put that together and an earthquake when an earthquake happens, you have seconds to react. So the, the, the warning better be timely and the experience has to be great. So people understand what they're, when they get the warning, they have a few minutes to react. So bringing all that together and, uh, and, and, and scaling it worldwide, globally, uh, that's the kind of thing that we have to do. But creating an earthquake early warning system is no simple undertaking. There isn't a unified global system monitoring seismologic data at all times. Creating vast networks of seismometers like the one used by ShakeAlert along the Pacific seaboard of the U.S. is difficult and extraordinarily expensive. So, Nandini and her team set out to do something a bit different. Rather than having a big network of seismometers detecting movement in the Earth and relaying that data to official centers to analyze and send out the alert, Android phones themselves are being used to not only detect those same shaking movements, but also to send out warning notifications to people in the area so precautions can be taken. Uh, earthquake early warning works differently in different parts of the world. There are some places like California where we have seismometers that are buried in, in the ground. Um, and this is done uh, this is what we think of as shake alert uh, here in California. Uh, and when there is an earthquake, these seismometers pick up the, the shaking and they send an alert, which we then take that alert and uh, and broadcast it to all the uh, Android phones in, in that specific area. In other parts of the world, there are no seismometers because uh, it's a... Uh, 
having a seismometer network is an expensive, difficult, elaborate affair, and not all regions of the world are really able to uh, afford that or have the expertise for it. In those places, for example, in the Philippines, androids uh, in, that, in those areas work as tiny seismometers. They pick up the shaking and collect that information and send it up to our earthquake early warning servers. And from that, we're able to tell how, uh, whether an earthquake is coming, how big is that going to be, what is the magnitude, what is the area of folks that will be affected, and we send an alert back down to the phones. We're not detecting earthquakes, we're in fact racing them. Phones closer to the epicenter see the shaking first, and we're able to tell how that's going to spread out and send a warning to the other folks who might be in the, in the area that, that uh, the earthquake would affect. Obviously, earthquakes can be absolutely devastating natural disasters, but the impact this type of quick alert system could have on people's lives is unprecedented. USGS estimates that about 800,000 people have been killed with, by earthquakes in the last 20 years. And studies show that if people got an early warning, that would reduce earthquake injuries by half. And when we look at that, we see that there is an opportunity for Android and uh, folks' devices to help them if, when, they, when they live in an earth, uh, seismically active area and earthquake early warning can be helpful for them. A few seconds of warning reduces earthquake injuries by 50%. Contrary to what her experience and skill level might suggest, Nandini didn't own a computer until she was 18 years old. Did you ever imagine, sitting in your computer science courses in school, that you would be leading a team working on something this groundbreaking? Forgive the pun. I think my life is quite different from, you know, what I had imagined. But, you know, in the last, last 20 years, tech and what we can do with tech has grown immensely. And it's been really exciting to be part of that journey and you know, be in an industry that's constantly innovating. And I think I'm really lucky to have been part of it during this time uh, where I can participate in its innovation and its value that it's bringing to people around the world. And that's been really cool. What traits are the most important for success for prospective and incoming engineers and developers? Um, I think uh, it's important to, for folks to have a strong foundation in, um, in their, have a strong foundation in computer science to really know, you know, uh, how to do their, how to be a great engineer. And I think another part is also to be innovative and creative and see how can I, how can I take my skills and apply them really meaningfully to the problem that I'm solving. The most successful people that I've seen are folks that who have a, a deep understanding of a domain, whether that's seismology or uh, GPS or sensors, and they're able to take the mastery they have over that domain and connect it to what to the problem that needs solving and are able to do that really elegantly. I think a combination of you know your technical skills, your uh, education in uh, computer science or engineering combined with domain expertise that you're able to kind of bring that together to solve a meaningful problem for for our you know users is what makes uh, for a really successful uh, career.
Jennifer Chai, a director of product management at Google, has been working closely with Nandini and her team for most of the six plus years of her time at the company, and has grown to rely not just on the environment and the skills of Nandini's team, but also on Nandini herself. I'm a, a director of product management um, and I've uh, been at, at Google for about six and a half years um, and really, um, I would say, have, have worked with uh, Nandini in some capacity um, for that whole time. Um, and um, more, I think, um, as the years have gone by and, and later in my career, have worked even more closely with her. So it's only our, our relationship has, I think, only gotten closer or better. Um, and, and more of our work worlds have overlapped over time. You know, she runs the whole engineering organization for part of Android and um, for most of her team, I run kind of the product function for the same product. What was it like working alongside Nandini and her team on this earthquake early warning system? Yeah, we work really closely together on, on kind of overall prioritization for, for the teams on um, you know, what are the things we're keeping an eye on, some of the things that are um, more risky or things that we think need a little bit more guidance. Um, we talk about processes, um, you know, how to keep our teams on track, what kind of reviews we should have. Um, we talk about the investments the team's making. So, um, you know, should we invest a little bit more in this area? Should we explore this area a little bit more? Um, and um, the health of the team, the organizational structure, uh, you know, making sure that there's, um, you know, a team that has uh, a P the, the appropriate amount of PM support, um, that the, the teams are kind of right sized for the amount of investment we want to make. I'll, you know, she's the first person that I'll bounce ideas off if I'm having, you know, some problem or I can't get through something or don't understand something like she's the first person I'll probably ping and be like, hey, can we, you know, can we talk about this? Like, what about this? Have you thought about, you know, how do I think about this? Or have you seen this before? Um, and she's she's a great person to to kind of help me work through some of that kind of stuff. And so I know we were we did a lot of testing on that, which is hard. It's hard to do earthquake testing <laughs> because you don't have any control over when it's going to happen. Um, and so um, you know certainly when when earthquakes happen, it was both like okay, how serious is it? You know, it, it can affect a lot of lives, but it's also like okay, there's more data for us to understand. How our, how our systems work. Um, so I think it took actually quite a long time to, to test because it's we're kind of at the mercy of the earth and like how many earthquakes actually happen and how much data can we actually get to make sure the system's working well. The staged approach was was helpful. Like how, how do you launch something like this um, in a way that reduces the risk that ensures that we're successful with each step? Um, you know, it's something that never existed before. Um, hard to tell what, what expectations we'd be setting. Um, and so um, outside of just like, is the technology gonna work or not? Which I think is, is almost 100% the engineering team figuring that out. Um, I think the next, the next most challenging thing is probably the go-to-market plan. The how, do you, how do you do this in a way that's gonna be successful? Um, the only other thing I'll add is that she's, she's, I consider her, um, as well, a very good friend. Um, and I've worked with her for, like I said, six, six, over six years. Um, and, um, you know, even outside of work, I, you know, I would hang out with her and I would, I would be her friend and we, um, there's good times and there's hard times at work and, uh, she's, she's always there for both. Um, and, and, you know, 
I will celebrate with her and I will um, complain to her. <laughs> and uh, I hope she, she considers me the, the same, but she's also just a, a great person to work with. But I think even at work, I think representation matters, having someone, even for me, to have someone that I see um, you know, at a, at a VP level or higher that are women, that are people that I feel like are, are people that I can relate to, that I can see myself becoming. And I would, I would think for Nandini, the same would be true, I think, for people that aspire to be like Nandini. I think being able to see her um, in that role, be successful in that role, um, is really important. Jen maintains a close relationship with Nandini, not just as a colleague, but also as a friend, a mentor, and a model example of feminine success in what has always been and continues to be a male-dominated industry.